0: We are glad to have you as we celebrate Mother's Day. But today, we're not just celebrating Mother's Day. We're celebrating a day for all women, regardless of age. But we are excited that you're here to be a part of our time. Let me ask you a question. You know, as we, as we talk about mothers, as we talk about moms, let me just make this statement. There are different ways of determining some things, someone's value or worth you know, for a guy, if we talk about the United States of America, uh, a guy's value or worth might be determined by the number of toys that he has, the type of boat that he has, or maybe it's the type of motorcycle that he has parked in the garage. It might be the position that he that he holds. Um, it might, for a techie guy, it might be the latest gadget, whether or not he has that or not. Um, but what about a woman? Maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's that new pair of shoes, that brand-name shoe, or maybe it's the possession of that that new handbag or pocketbook. Maybe it's the expensive jewelry that you have in your jewelry box; those that if you have accumulated over the years. Maybe it's the number of children that you have, or maybe it's the success of your of your children. Brian had made mention the other day, and I thought it was. I thought it was pretty unique. I've sort of gotten into. There's not been a lot of sports to watch during this time and and so the past few few weeks I've got really gotten into this last dance, this this story that sort of chronicles the the life of especially the last years of Michael Jordan and his in his basketball career. And I don't know about you, um, but listen, I, I think that he has to be not only one of the greatest basketball players to ever live, but to me, I think one of the greatest athletes to ever play a sport, but as great as an athlete as he, as he, as he was, you know, the question that I have today, is that a legacy that's worth imitating? Is that a legacy that's worth following? You know, there's so many things within our culture that seems to drive our, our worth and our value as human beings, especially here within the United States of America. America. But what is it that determines the the value, the worth of, let's say, a, a woman or a wife? And you could even put in there, this is a man or a husband. I mean, is it intellect? Is it physical ability? Is it looks? Is it personality? What is it that determines the value and worth of a person? today. Man, I love this passage of scripture that we're going to be in. It's one that maybe if you've been in around church, you've probably heard it before, but we're going to be reading out of the book of Proverbs today. And we're going to be in that last chapter, Proverbs chapter 31. And I would love for you as families or wherever you may be seated there in your homes or in a park or wherever you may be, maybe it's in your car and you're You're listening and your spouse is driving and you've got your Bible with you. Man, I'd love for you to open up a copy of God's Word because I want to read it to you to begin with. And then I want to go back and discuss it because the writer here has an awful lot to say about a legacy that's worth imitating. And he talks to us a little bit about what what value and worth looks like in the life of a person. Not just in the the life of a woman, but the life of any person, whether it be a male or or female. But I would love to be able to read to you today this passage of Scripture found in Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. And if you would just uh, read along with me, maybe even read it out loud there in your homes, man, I would love that. But this is what we read beginning in, in chapter 31, verse 10, there in the book of Proverbs. He says, This who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and he will greatly, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of, of her life, and she finds wool and flax and busily spends it. It goes on to say that that she is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn, wow, before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. Goes on to say that she inspects a field and she buys it and with her earnings she plants a vineyard. Says she's energetic and she's strong, a hard worker and she makes sure that her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night and her hands are busy spinning thread and her fingers twisting fiber she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy and she has no fear of winter for her household for everyone has warm clothes she makes her own bedspreads and she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns and her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders goes on to say that she milks she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future says when she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches over everything in her household and she suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand up and they bless her and her husband praises her. And there are many virtuous and capable women in the world But you, you surpass them all. And then, man, you just underline, underline, and underline this again and again in circle. Because listen at this bottom line. Charm is deceptive. Beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord, Mm. a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. And so we have the writer here up front talking to us about the value and the worth attributed to what's known as a virtuous or or noble wife. And look at what he says up front. I, I just want to make note of this to start off with. He said, Man, listen, a virtuous and noble wife, he said, they're valuable. They're hard to find to begin with. He said, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? They're few and far between. We say, man, it's not just so hard to find a, a good wife. It may be hard to find a good man too. Let's not just pick on the ladies. But the word virtuous there means righteous. It means of, of moral character. And that virtue is a character trait that leads to, to right living. But he said it's not only hard to find, but he, he says also it's rare, it's precious, more precious than, than rubies. And rubies were a precious stone and they were a symbol of, of worth and value, wealth and power. And they were acquired and they were held by, by kings and people of great worth and value. And the writer in this passage is identified as a person named Lemuel. Now, if you go back and look, we have really no clue who Lemuel is. I mean, we know that he was a king. It identifies him as a king, but who is he? But whoever he was, he would have known the value of a a ruby. He would have also known the value of a wife, a good wife, a virtuous wife. And so who is this Lemuel that's supposedly the writer? I mean, there are speculations. Some people say that this, this writer Lemuel is really that word Lemuel. The name Lemuel was really a name given to, to Solomon by his mother. And so they identify Solomon. And this is really a pet name, like little buddy or, or, or honey or something along that line. Others say it was King Hezekiah who was a king in the southern kingdom before, um, before it was destroyed. He was a king, he was a good king. Others say that Lemuel was just a fictional character that Solomon himself made up. But whatever the case, if it was Solomon that wrote this passage, he would have known the value of a good woman because he would have had his pick as king. If you read the scriptures, you find out that he had more than 1,000 wives and concubines. Wow. That's too many hens in the hen houses, if you ask me. But before his father died, Solomon would pull him aside and he would share with him some wisdom and, and David would share with Solomon and he would say, look, guy, let me tell you something, buddy, man, my time on earth is, 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 very short, but I want to share with you these things that I think are really important. I want you to take courage and I want you to grow up and I want you to be a man. That's what he said. Go back and look at first Kings chapter two. I want you to take courage and be a man. I want you to to watch after. I want you to observe the commandments and the laws of the Lord because they're important. I want you to follow his ways and I want you to keep his decrees and his commands and his regulations. I want you to remember the words that were written down in the laws of Moses. And I want you to not only just listen to them, I want you to do them. Because if you do, you're going to be successful. in whatever it is that you may do or wherever you may go. And early on in Solomon's life, we see him fulfilling some of that because early on in his life when asked for, you know, what is it you want Solomon? He, he prayed for wisdom of all things that he could have had. He prayed for wisdom. And in the midst of that, God not only gave him wisdom, but he also gave him riches and he also gave him influence. But just because Solomon would know what was right, didn't mean that he would always do what was right. And over time in Solomon's life, as he accumulated not only riches and wives, but he would eventually walk away. He would fall away from the Lord and he would not follow him wholeheartedly. I mean, early on in his life, he stayed close to the Lord, but then he began to stray and he began to depend on his own abilities and his his own wealth and his own power and his own wisdom instead of God. God. He fell away from following the things that he had been instructed to do. And as a result, it would cost him. But near the end of his life, he would, he would write, God would allow him to write the book of Ecclesiastes. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he would, he would sort of journal through his, his life and what had taken place and what he had experienced. What he had, what he had learned in his long life of all the things that he had accumulated, of all the things that he had experienced, out of all the things that he had walked through in life. Solomon made this conclusion at the end, it's all meaningless, it's worthless. And he concluded at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes in that letter that he wrote, in that book that he wrote, listen, everything in life is meaningless, but this is the conclusion, fear God and keep his commandments. Everything is meaningless, worthless, apart from God whether it's position, whether it's power, whether it's prestige, whether it's possessions, it's all meaningless. And this writer, regardless if it was Solomon or not, would go on to tell us about a virtuous woman and what she looked like and what some of her characteristics. A woman of noble character. And he would say that, listen, when you find one, it's like finding a A gem, a precious stone. And I have to be say, I was raised by one of those gems that he's talking about. Back in 1985, in the summer of 1985, I discovered my own gem. And in just a couple of months, we will have been together. We will have been married some 32 years. But what is it that, that he goes on to say that adds value? I mean, a virtuous woman, if she's hard to find, if she's as precious, well, talk to me about some of the characteristics of this virtuous woman. Look at what he has to say there in verse 11. It says she's trustworthy. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. And she brings him good, not harm, all the days of of her life. I mean, there isn't a reason not to trust her because she's trustworthy. Worthy! What an awful feeling to to be in and around relationships with people that you can't trust. You might be in a relationship like that today. Maybe it's not a spousal relationship. Maybe it's a relationship of a friend relationship, and your your trust has, for some reason, has been broken. I want you to write this down because this is really important. As I was thinking through, and and I was thinking through trust, I. I, I I thought about this. You know what trust does? Trust Trust sustains relationships. Doubts destroy. Whereas trust sustains relationships, doubt destroy. Won't you say that out loud with me? Trust sustains, doubts destroy. See, what trust does is it creates an environment for confidence and security, whereas lack of trust creates an environment of insecurity, unsettledness, worry and anxiety. One of, our, one of our church family is in the hospital right now, Tom Ford, and Tom had suffered from a heart attack and some other medical issues that he's dealing with. And I was on the phone with his wife, Gail, yesterday, and we were talking and, uh, and I just said, Gail, you know, how are you doing? And she said, Sid, really, I'm doing fine. And I said, Gail, I said, man, this has gotta be hard. And she said, it is, Sid. She said, it is. She said, it's, it's really hard. But she said, there's a sense of peace. She said, because I trust God. And I believe that God knows exactly what's going on. You know, it reminds me of the story of Anna Grace, my smallest, our smallest, that when this virus stuff began and we were having these discussions and there was all the stuff on the TV and just a lot of anxiety and potential for worry. I I asked, I asked Anna Grace one night, I said, baby, I said, are you worried about anything? And she said, no, dad. I said, well, why? She said, because I know that you and mom have everything taken care of. I trust you. I trust you. Trust is huge. It's huge in relationships. And here we see the writer coming back and saying that a virtuous woman, a virtuous wife is one who is trustworthy. But what do you do if trust is lacking in a relationship? Why is there trust lacking in a relationship? Is there actions that you can take to, to rebuild or to build a bridge so that your relationship is more trusting and there's, there's trust that, that, that can be applied? I wrote down some thoughts, some practice, the practical. Hmm. I mean, are you a person of your word? Just think about the communication. Are you a person of your word? Are you completely uh, truthful can you be can you be trusted what about what about this one going the extra mile what about things like sharing passwords and and what about even uh linking up to things like find a friend or or the app like uh life 360 you say that's ridiculous I mean if if you're in a relationship like that that you've got to it's not about that it's about going the extra mile It's talking about rebuilding or building into that relationship trust. And I don't really care if you like it or not. I'm just giving you some, what I think is good. What about this? What about making wise choices? Sometimes relationships are broken because there's a lack of trust because of maybe you've been places that you shouldn't be. Maybe for businessmen, maybe or business women, maybe no more business meals alone with persons of the opposite spec. What about spending time in God's Word, asking for wisdom and direction? What about keeping your spouse updated with financial, the financial status, and what about no secrets within the home? There's a lot of things that can be done to to rebuild and to encourage trust within the home and in other relationships. You know, but on the other side, you may have been the one that's been hurt. You may struggle with the issue of forgiveness or the practice of unconditional love I I want to remind you what Paul had to say this is what Paul had to say in reference to unconditional love he said love never gives up he said it never loses faith it's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance man that love that we get from a relationship with Jesus Christ that that comes from the filling of the Holy Spirit. It said it never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It's always enduring through whatever circumstance you may experience. And it all comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's not because you're good, but because the Holy Spirit living inside of you is is good. I love the words of 1 John 4. So all who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God. He goes on to say, we know how much God loves us and that we have put our trust in his love. Not in others. And God is love and all who, love, who live in love and live in God and God lives in them. And that we can live in God. Our love grows more perfect. Did you hear that? As we live in God, our love grows to become more perfect so that we will not be afraid with him on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we can live like Jesus here in this world. In other words, we can trust when, when it's tough to trust. We can believe when it's hard to believe. We can love when it's difficult to love. And he goes on to say, such love has no fear. Because perfect love, what it does, it expels all fear. Are you afraid of something today? He said, if we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His, our Heavenly Father's perfect love. His perfect love. We can love because He first loved us. Trustworthy. It's a good virtue, isn't it? Not only for a wife, not only for a woman... Not only for a man, but also for teenagers as well. What about the characteristic of industrious? Look at what he says. She finds there in verse 13, she finds wool and flax and busily spins it. This is going to make you tired as you listen to this. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plans a day's work for her servant girls. She goes on to inspect a field and buys it with her earnings and she plants a vineyard. She's energetic. She's strong. She's a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable and her lamps burn late into the night. This woman is not lazy. Mm-mm. Laziness is not in her name anywhere. A virtuous woman is industrious. She isn't afraid of hard work. There are those people that wait on things happen. There are those people that wonder what happened. And then there are things, those people that make things happen. And that's what a virtuous woman is. She is that industrious woman that makes things happen. It talks about writing about finding wool and flax and you know why she found wool and flax? Because she didn't wait on somebody to bring it to her. She went looking for it. An industrious woman does what's needed to take care of not only herself, but those people around her. It says her, late, her lamp burns late into the night, not because she's looking at Facebook or not because she's playing a crossword puzzle, not because she's watching the latest movie, but because she's doing what needs to be done, because she's industrious. Her hands are busily spinning thread. Her fingers twisting the fibers. (laughs) I was raised by an industrious woman. I'm married to an industrious woman who was raised by an industrious woman. I am surrounded by industrious women on this church staff. And for that, we are greatly blessed. Let me give you a third thing. Can I do that? Look at verse 20. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens up her arms to the needy. Write down the word compassionate. That's another characteristic of a a virtuous woman. She's compassionate. It's a woman after God's heart. She cares about the things that God cares about. She sees what God sees. As she looks upon the field, she sees the field and she sees those in the field and she looks upon them with compassion 1 John 3, verse 17 says, If someone has money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be within that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love one another, but let us show the truth by our actions. Meredith and I were laughing last night because we were remembering different things within our, our lives. And I remember the time that I told her she couldn't help anybody else. I said, baby, you can't do this anymore. I said, no no more compassion for people. Because there was a time in her life, it seemed like every time she was helping somebody, going way out of the way to try, to try to help somebody in need, fixing a meal, taking someplace somebody, it seemed like she was getting stopped by the police. And I said, baby, you can't do that no more. We were laughing about that. Write this down. She's fully prepared. Fully prepared. Verse 21 she has no fear for winter for her household for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspread, she dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Skip down to verse 24 it says she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell them to the merchants. She's clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. You know why she laughs? She's prepared. She's not worried. She's prepared. You know, and these day in time, we can just sort of wait to the last minute, order it on Amazon, run down to the store, grab something, and pick it up. But it used to not be that way. I mean, it used to be you had to plan and prepare because you didn't have a store right down the street. You didn't have a 24-hour, if I'm in need, I need to go get something. But you had to, you had to prepare. You had to plan ahead. I remember my grandmother growing up making quilts. I, I remember my mother and my grandmother and those around me using their hands to, to make clothes. Those little, those little packets of, of designs that they used to have um, for, for, to make clothing so that you could sew. I mean, it's almost like sewing these days is something that you don't even do anymore. I mean, who even owns a sewing machine these days? So much for modern family living that we used to have when we were growing up, and they would teach you how to sew, even the guys. But I, I remember the making of quilts, and I still have some of those quilts, some of my favorite quilts that uh, my grandmother made, some of the heaviest of quilts. You know, he talked about planting a garden or picking vegetables or picking fruit or canning, making jelly, other items for the home. I, I just went home to celebrate my mother's birthday Uh, She's 49 again this year. Um, Happy birthday, mom. And there in the kitchen on the table was a tub of cucumbers that had been cut up that were in lime preparing to make pickles because that's what mom does this time of year. She makes pickles. And you know why she makes pickles? She makes pickles because she knows that we like pickles and you can have pickles that Thanksgiving and you can have pickles at Christmas and all other times of the year when you're not picking cucumbers. You have to plan for that. You have to prepare for that. I was laughing at my mom when coronavirus hit. She was talking about not being able to go to the store, and I'm thinking to myself, Mom, what is it you need? I mean, you've got everything at the house. You got plenty of vegetables that you've canned. And you got all the toilet paper in the world. You got a whole closet full. Matter of fact, you got enough to service Walmart for the next six months. She was prepared. My mother was the one that always told me, make sure you wear clean underwear just in case you're in an accident. Mom said, always be prepared. She not only lived it, but she she wanted us to live it as well. So you got that characteristic of being fully prepared. But a virtuous wife is always also one who is responsible. Look at what he says there in verse 23, not only responsible but also respected. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits and other with other civic leaders. Listen, behind every good man there's a great woman. Let me just say that. Behind every good man there's a great woman. It's a privilege to have a spouse like I do that is not only responsible in the home but is also respected and responsible in the workplace. She's not only responsible, she's not only responsible for the things in the home, respected in the home, but also outside the home. And my wife's influence, her her responsibility and her respectability outside the home is an encouragement to me and what I do. And here it is the writer telling us that a virtuous woman is one who is responsible and respected. Because when she does that, she allows us as, as men to be able to function outside of the home and do what we need to do. Write this down also because here, look at verse 26 and see what it says. When she speaks, talking about this virtuous woman, he said her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. This is hard. This is hard. She controls her tongue. Boy, isn't that something we all can apply to our lives he said a woman of noble character a virtuous woman knows how to speak when to speak and how to use her words Paul when speaking to the church Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 49 uh, 429 don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen you know what are those people that's closest to you what would they say about your speech What would your cable company, provider, service person that you talk to on the phone, what would they say about your speech? What about the technician that happens to come to your house to fix your cable, which has been out for a period of time? What would he say about your speech? What about the next door neighbor? What about your parents or your spouse or your children or your co-workers? I was on the phone the other night. I've had some problems and I will not mention my cable company. I've had some problems if you've tried to reach me or I've not responded to you. It's probably because I've not had a lot of cable or phone here lately and it's been pretty upsetting and overwhelming to say the least. But it is what it is and I was on the phone a couple of weeks ago for three hours one night and we couldn't get it fixed and then I was on the phone the next night for three and a half hours and I never talked to a single person. I was so upset. I could have spit bullets. I think my blood sort of rose And I'd had enough. I was over it. My wife looked at me and she said, you're not being too Christian-like. I said, I don't feel like I'm too Christian-like right now. The next night I was on the phone for four hours. The fellow at 12.15 at night said to me, he said, "Uh, Mr. Brock, he said, would you please, I know we've done this. He said, because we could we keep? please just do this one more time? He said, would you please look and see if the white light is blinking? I said, sir, let me share this with you. The only white light that I want to see right now is Jesus when he comes. And it would be a great time for him to come because I am ready. Mm. Meredith telling me I don't act like a Christian, huh? Listen, how's your speech? How's the speech? I'm not talking about just at church. Hey brother, how are you doing? <laughs> what happens when you walk outside the church? What about you when you're in those environments and nobody else is around? Are you an upper room person or are you a basement person? Do you use your words to encourage or discourage? Do your words lift people up or do they tear people down? Do they cut deep or do they leave scars? Are your words like salve or are they, do they bring healing an encouragement, the writer here says, a woman or a person of noble character seeking after the heart of God understands the importance of speech and recognizes the privilege and the opportunity to build others up. Our words are important regardless. And look at this, this last characteristic. And this is just some that I've written down myself. Write down the word vigilant. Verse 27, she carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. And the word vigilant here, it means to keep a careful careful watch. It means to like to sleep with one eye open, to be, to be observant, to be on the lookout. And he goes on to say that this virtuous wife, these characteristics that she that she has, man, listen, they they don't go unnoticed. People noticed. They stand out, they're a reflection of either God's glory or not. And in verse 28, he said, her children stand and bless her and her children praise her. There are many virtuous and capable women found in the world, but you, you surpass them all. I can just imagine if it was Solomon, who's he talking about? Out of all the ones that he would have had surrounding him, He must have had his eye on one. These characteristics. And then I love what he says at the end. Because there are all these things that the world values. There are all these things that the world says are important. There are all these things that the world says. But this is what he has to say in his bottom line. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. Oh, but underline this. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Let me read that for you again. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. My wife is a great cook. Doesn't it look like it? This didn't get this way just by eating at McDonald's. Okay. I'm going to tell you that. And my wife likes to try things out from time to time. I think I go back and and over the 32 years that we've been together, and I can probably count on my hand some meals that I didn't like, and very few of them that I did not eat, that I thought, man, this is unbelievably great. There's been a couple of times I had to go shake my head think, Mm, baby, I don't know about that. And I remember about uh, maybe six months or so ago, she was trying out something new. And I walked into the house and I was thinking, man, I don't know what's on the pot, but it sure does smell good. She was making this new soup and she had spent all this time putting it together. And I looked in the pot and it was, man, it was a beautiful looking color, had these garnishes on the top. And so we prayed and we all got us a bowl and we sat down around and, and where we said to eat and, and, it, and I, I had to go back and get something. And it got quiet. And I'm thinking, I didn't hear, mm, mm. I didn't hear that. It was just quiet. And then I, I finally I heard one of the kids say, "Hmm, hmm." And Meredith, Meredith said, "Good night. This is terrible." I <laughs> am thinking, maybe it can't be that bad. And so I took a spoonful, and it sort of took my breath away. And so I thought to myself, "Yeah, this this is." It's pretty bad. I mean, I tried it. I think I ended up getting a banana sandwich or something. I don't remember now, but I just remember thinking we had to dump the whole pot. She spent all afternoon fixing this, this soup, and which it, it looked great. It smelled great. But, man, it wasn't great at all. It was terrible. And we all, we all laughed about it afterwards. We know what soup not to make next time. Well, let me tell you something. You can paint the walls Man, you can put in some good landscaping, but it's all worthless if the wood in the barn is rotten. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, you can fix it up, you can take it out, you can put it on display, but if what's underneath is rotten, it's no good. No good at all. Just because it looks good, just because it smells good, doesn't necessarily mean that it's good And he says, charm is deceptive, and beauty, uh, it doesn't last. (laughs) But a woman who fears the Lord, yeah, she's greatly to be praised. And you know, here it is in the book of Proverbs, finishing out just exactly the way that it started out. Talking about referencing the fear of the Lord. Because that's the foundation for a legacy worth imitating. And we learn an awful lot here in what it looks like to be a virtuous woman. Some characteristics, a trustworthy, industrious, and compassionate, fully prepared, responsible, and respectable, controls her tongue, and vigilant. But at the top of that list, and what brings all that about, the bottom line is a woman who fears... The Lord, I mean, it would be easy to look at that list and go, my goodness gracious, that's that's overwhelming to try to accomplish all of those things. But if you're seeking after the Lord, you don't have to worry about accomplishing these things because they will follow. They'll follow. I think about what Paul said. And how many of us, not just women, but how many of us in general can say as Paul, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Moms, what's your legacy? The greatest legacy that you're gonna leave is not teaching your kids how to cook. The greatest legacy that you'll leave is not teaching them how to fold clothes or wash clothes or, or to be productive in the home or be a good student. The greatest legacy that you will leave is not about mathematics or, um, or English or math or social studies. It's not their manners. As important as all of those things are in our culture, the greatest thing that we have the ability to leave, a legacy that's worth imitating, is a woman who fears the Lord. I was reminded of the song, the old song. Without Him, I could do nothing. Without Him, I'd surely fail. Without Him, life would be drifting like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know Him today? Don't turn Him away. Oh Jesus, oh Jesus. Without Him, How lost I would be. Mom, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? See those characteristics that were listed? Impossible without Jesus. One day we're all going to breathe our last breath. The question will be at the end of that time, what legacy will we leave? I pray that your legacy is one worth imitating. Would you pray with me today? Father, what a blessing it is for us to be able to gather and, and Father, in homes and wherever we may be to, with the technology that we have to listen to your word, to read your word and to be impacted by the words of scripture, not the stories of any human being. This is your inspired word. This is the word that you have given us. And today. It's a word that comes to directly for women, yet it applies to every one of us. May we be a people that fears you and seeks in the best way we can to imitate a life that leaves a legacy of faith. Father, I pray blessings not just on our mothers, but I pray blessings on all women today. Father, I pray pray for us as men today that we would hear these words and we would heartily and willingly apply these to our own lives. Thank you for the privilege that we have as serving as a body of believers called Heritage. Father, I pray that as we go, that we would recognize the opportunities we have Father, that as we we go into the highways and byways, as we are allowed these days, as the restrictions are being lifted, that we would recognize our responsibility and privilege to be your ambassadors for Jesus. Because we are the billboards. May we live a life that's worth imitating. That's my prayer. And for the person today that, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, even right there where they are, they have the privilege of being able to receive Jesus, to recognize the deficit that they have, to recognize that there's not a thing that they can do to save themselves. Even right there, would they cry out to you and ask Jesus Christ to cover their life? Would they accept him as Lord and Savior and say in the simplest of forms, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give my life to you. That's the greatest day. Thank you for the privilege of growing, sharing, and serving together as a body. Bless us now as we go. May we take these words and hold them close to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.